0: And we are back for another episode of the Thrills and Chills podcast brought to you by ShareBird and Clue. This is a show all about establishing product marketing and being the first product marketer. I'm your host, J.D. Prater. Today, we're talking with Randy Lee, the head of product marketing at Fundbox, about her journey into product marketing from the consulting world. But before we do, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. Randy, welcome to the Thrills and Chills. This is season three, and I'm really excited to have you on for this show today. You are the head of product marketing at Funbox, but you've had quite a storied career. I'm curious, how did you get into product marketing?
1: Well, thanks for having me, JD. I'm thrilled to be here. I definitely organically fell into product marketing, but I think of myself as sort of a classically trained management consultant. So I came out of my MBA and I was a strategy consultant with Booz and Company, and I really learned the skills of hypothesis-driven problem-solving bringing a group of people together with very differing objectives who I needed to align against a particular outcome or KPI. And if you think about what product marketers actually do, they align a group of stakeholders to move a specific KPI and create impact based on whatever the needs are of the company at that level. And that goes back to the core management consulting skill set that I learned early in my career and I got to product marketing actually by way of a product I first managed a team in an innovation group of three product managers but it was the product marketing pieces seeing the impact and the connecting with customers that just made me gravitate toward that side of the product development and marketing and so When I had the opportunity to really take a full time product marketing role, I jumped at it.
0: Nice. Yeah. I have so many PM friends that went through this kind of consulting background. So I was like fully ready for you to say, and then I just stayed in the PM world. Right. And it just seems like a natural fit a lot of times for how they solve problems or think about things. And then you forget about us over here on the product marketing side. Like we do very similar things. We're also testing out different types of messaging and positioning. We're meeting with customers. So excited to hear that this non-traditional path is worked out for you and has served you really well in your product marketing career. So let's transition. Uh, Fundbox. Talk to us a little bit about the company and uh, joining and kind of leading now for over two years, this head of product marketing role.
1: Is a financial platform for small businesses. And they're really out there trying to solve the pain point that small businesses have. They have limited access to capital that they need to grow. And many times small businesses are really stuck in this place because they have outstanding receivables. There's, I don't know, $80,000 in outstanding receivables and it takes 19 days to get paid on average for a small business. And for B2B businesses in particular, it's a huge deal. So they're just waiting to get paid. It's not that they don't have the capital. It's just a matter of when they're going to be able to collect it. And that's where Funbox comes in. The company was super exciting to me because of the automation and the artificial intelligence that's used to underwrite small businesses. I was coming from a nonprofit prior to Funbox, and we had an earned revenue stream in the nonprofit and we needed additional capital. We had plenty of donations, but we needed more to grow and thrive as a nonprofit. And so the pain of being in that place of like having revenues and not being able to get funding was very real to me when I, I met Fundbox and I learned about what they did. And that the equity in the underwriting to me was particularly interesting as well, because it wasn't based on traditional methods of underwriting or who you knew was actually, you know, the automated decision was super interesting to me coming out of that nonprofit space.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got started in my career in the nonprofit world. So I spent my first three years in marketing in the nonprofit side of things. I was a little bit naive and thinking that only nonprofits could do good things. So <laughs> I, I quickly learned that there are some companies out there, even like Funbox that are unlocking some really cool value for other companies. And you get really good because like your story at a nonprofit is... Your revenue stream, like so, you get pretty good at telling stories and engaging with customers to let them know how their donations are being used, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's it's a lot of storytelling, and I, I'm psyched that I got to learn that. It's I think it's incredibly important, and also get to connect with another nonprofit person in the product marketing world. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that there's more of us. So, I'm curious. You know, you talked a little bit about kind of what was interesting about the tech. You understood the problem. How did you know you were really like ready to take on this head of product marketing at a startup?
1: Sure. So that one was almost easier for me. I had been at a series of companies and when I think about what makes me unique, like what do I love doing? Where is that sweet spot where I like operating? It. I loved going to a company that's moving from adolescence into maturity hmm. and bringing the structure to companies that are at that stage. Generally, like things are really inconsistent. You'll find areas where they're way advanced and processes are perfected, but then areas that are super immature because they very much reflect whoever the last leader was right. Or whoever the personality is of the person running that group or department. And I love coming into that space where you can take out the personalities and start building to scale. And so when I was looking for a role, because I knew my job in the nonprofit was ending, I was in a three-year growth capital funded role. So I had lots of time to know what I wanted to think about where I wanted to go next. So I was really looking for like a series C kind of startup where I could bring that skill set. I could really make the impact I was hoping to in helping a company mature like that. And so the product marketing role At Fundbex was perfect. Product marketing hadn't existed. The company was growing and continues to expand like crazy. And they had just hired a CMO and that CMO was bringing in, creating a dedicated product marketing department, brand marketing department and communications. And so the opportunity to run product marketing, it was just perfect because it was starting it. You know, from scratch, even though there had been plenty of product marketing going on, just the opportunity to carve it out and have it be dedicated, focused was key.
0: Very cool. I want to point out a few things to everyone listening. It's, if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know, a couple of things. What you heard is she's a builder. Like if you want to be the first product marketer, get ready to roll up your sleeves. You're going to be doing some building. And she talked about process. If you look back at Randy's career, it's no surprise. You see some entrepreneurship in there. I think having that entrepreneur spirit is something that I really set apart the first PMMs in establishing an org. So I'm already sensing it in you. I I can already see the creator and the builder, the entrepreneur Mm -hmm. in you. That's already almost like you makes you well-suited to tackle this, right? Then you couple that with your skills. With the the PM side, but also the consulting side, I'm almost jealous that Funbox has you. And I'm like, no, let's work together, right? Like you can already start to see how these things are compounding. And then recap too. she understood the problem. She went deep on the actual product and then understanding the team, right? They're building out the function and you can kind of already understand this framework that you obviously went through and processed through. So now I'm curious, we've got the good setup. Talk to me about those first couple of months. Like what were some of those early challenges in setting up and establishing product marketing as a new function in a company that never had it before?
1: Sure. So one of the things that I had learned in my career, probably more recently than I should have was you're always, and maybe this is too adamant, but you will find more success going where people want to go then trying to convince them to go where you think they should go. (laughs) And so that's one of the things I really did when I joined Funbox, instead of like having in my mind, okay, there's one way to build this. There's one way to develop. I focused on talking to people and trying to understand where the need existed, where was that vacuum where product marketing could come in and truly add value and show impact. And the number one place, like over those first few months, there were a few streams of work that became clear where we could really help the organization and people were going to cheer us on and say, thank goodness you're here to help with this. And one of them was in consumer insights and understanding customers' needs and pain points. And that's because our engineering Product and UX teams are in Tel Aviv, and our market is in the US. And so it was genuinely real for them that they really needed more understanding of the customer. They're just far away. The time zones are not in their favor, they're far away. They don't really understand the US market as much as they desperately wanted to. <laughs> And so we were able to come in like as a product marketing department and start right there by just almost overnight, being able to help them in that area. Another pain point that the organization had where we could plug in and this may or may not like traditionally be part of product marketing, but it was close enough to go to market at fit. And that was that our customer facing teams, which are in Dallas was never exactly sure when something being launched. And so really working on the communications about like, here are the new features being launched. Here's what's happening in this sprint. Here's what you can expect. Here's what it means for you. And preventing them from being in a situation where a customer was telling them something about our product. (laughs) Like that was a true value add for our customer facing teams, right? Where all of a sudden they knew what was happening. So we really worked hard to facilitate those internal Communications, particularly around the product roadmap. And then the next piece is the obvious piece, and that's the go to market piece and the enablement that goes with the go-to-market. And that's really what I'm working on most now is how do we create for the organization, you know, seamless go-to-market processes and A capability for the company overall. So that's really more the focus now. But initially, it was like meeting those initial organizational pain points and building the relationships that let me understand that's where we could come in and add the most value.
0: I think that's key. I mean, yes, I I do think all of those are PMM roles. So it's a lot of that's internal marketing, a lot of that's just the communication piece, like you were talking about earlier with the process and stuff. But I think what's key too is your understanding of this is a pain point. I can solve it fairly quickly, almost like a low drag for you. And it was a high value, right? So mm-hmm. you can think of your two by two quadrant, if you will. And it's like, I can do a lot of these things right here early on and build those relationships, gain that trust. Because at the end of the day, it is social capital that you don't want to necessarily burn yet. Right. You want to die on some Hills later on, but let's get some early wins. Let's put some points on the board. So kudos to you. What I'm curious now is, you know, kind of those early challenges, maybe even like year one, what does year two look like? We haven't had too many people on that have maybe been somewhere for that year two. And I'm just curious, what does that look like now?
1: Sure. Well, the interesting thing about year one is that so much of it was dominated by COVID. (laughs)
0: Also true, also true. (laughs) And
1: you know, there were some good things to come out of that and that's that customers really had time to talk and we really got to know our customers and we really got to understand the products that we could create that would really solve real problems for them. And so it was one of the good things to come out of COVID is like we spent, I think I interviewed 50 customers in August and September of last year.
0: Wow. That's great. That's a lot of calls.
1: (laughs) it, It was amazing and so rewarding and so amazing. And I talked to them about their pain points. I, you know, said, how do you get paid? How do you pay other people? What is it like to manage your finances? And out of that came some real innovation. And because of that year two has been about bringing new products and features to market, to meet the pain of the customers that we learned then. And so year two is much more around the capabilities of bringing new products and features to market and building the team. So as of, you know, in year two, I've added four people to the team. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I have a fifth person starting next week. So that's year two is about growing the team and growing our capabilities uh, to go to market.
0: Yeah, let's dive into it. I'm I'm really curious how... You're going from a team of one, you are, you know, establishing it, you're really kind of building out the function, you're gaining trust, getting that social capital built up so much so that you now have five direct reports. So how did you figure out, how'd you get that additional headcount? And then second piece to that is, how did you know like where to allocate them? I'm just curious, right? Did you go competitive Intel? Did you assign them to products? There's a lot of different ways to structure the PMM org.
1: Yeah. And I have to say it's still evolving, but I can tell you my point of view about it now. So I was lucky enough that we do a lot of our acquisition through partners and I have just a rock star partner marketer on my team that is part of my PMM organization. I was able as well because so much of our work is on retention of customers. Lifecycle marketing also reports to me. So I have the lifecycle marketer and the partner marketer. So then I have really three go to market PMMs, one focused on enablement because we do have this whole team of customer facing sales, support, and collections in Texas. And the great thing about that PMM is she comes out of the sales organization. So she is a part of that team and she knows it so well. And then I have two go-to-market PMMs, and they are right now focused, one on our, our core business and the other sort of on our expansion products as we grow into new areas. I have a research and insights person starting next week, and that's because demand for that has gotten so Got high. So that, that's exciting there. I do anticipate the go-to-market team, you know, as our the products portfolio grows as we build out a platform I imagine they will shift we'll probably add to that team and their responsibilities will shift based on what makes the most sense at the time I do think what we'll do is mimic the organization that our product managers take on so however they're organized we will follow
0: Yeah. I like that in my own world too, in doing hiring is kind of trying to match that one-to-one, one-to-two, one-to-three, whatever that may be. I feel sorry for any PMM out there that's like (laughs) one-to-seven, one-to-eight. So I apologize. That must sounds terrible. But the next kind of piece of that too is I'm sure there's some people out here that are maybe interested and maybe even working with you someday, but also like maybe they're doing some interviewing themselves. So what are some of those skills that you look for? Or do you have any favorite questions that you ask to kind of, you know, suss out some of those PMN skills or if they'd be a good fit?
1: Yeah. I always look for one thing in my interviews and that's curiosity. Because hmm. I know people who are curious are problem solvers. They're going to put themselves in the shoes of the customer, right? And of their needs. And so I really focus on curiosity as a, like a core skill that I test for in interviews. And then I also try and look for alignment of values. Mm-hmm. And the way I do that is I will usually ask some people what their non-negotiables are for making oh, a change. Yeah. That's
0: and- a good one. I'm, I'm going to steal this one. I, I like this one. I've never asked that one, but I've always yeah. wondered. So go ahead. Tell me, how do you frame that? Like in the question, just like you said it?
1: Well, I mean, as you know, like there's so much demand for great product marketers out there right now. And so I just assume whoever I'm talking to has choice. Yeah. And so I asked them, I'm like, you know, you have a choice now you're making a life change. You may be in a really comfortable job right now. What is it that is a non-negotiable to you when you think about the next place you want to go? And that's where you'll hear from them, like the most important things about decision-making, what kind of boss they want. What kind of team they want to work on? It's a great question. And I do always thank them for sharing because it is a personal question too. And so I do try and make sure people are comfortable at answering it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could just see how you can tailor also the future rounds of interviews too. It's like, if you know that working remotely and having a freedom of schedule, right? I mean, You hear about this, that flexibility piece has become really important since COVID really. And you can see how you can tailor some of that stuff to it. And, but you also get to understand exactly what's important to them to understand that value fit. So I will be taking this question. I'm putting it in my back pocket. <laughs> I'm, I'm hiring a PMM currently. So I am definitely taking this one. I am doing an interview tomorrow. So I just know it will be used. <laughs>
1: okay. That's a great compliment. Thank you. I'm I love blattered. that
0: question. That one's so good. It, Cause you always want that answer. And I don't think I've ever really, you always try to like sift through it or you're trying to get at it and you're in, doing a lot of inferring. And so I'd rather just come out and ask, and I think you'll probably get a better answer. So uh, that's probably on me for just not being bold enough or <laughs> maybe even like being going to feel comfortable enough to maybe that's what it is. So good questions. Good questions. So cool. All right. You're building out this team. You've got a a really great hiring process, it sounds like. you got some really good interview questions. You're wrapping up year two. You talked about scaling and the growth of the team. Let's look forward. Year three. What do you think is on the horizon?
1: So I think as an organization, we have an exciting and daunting challenge ahead. And that's we have primarily been a single product company. And we're already in this place where we have multiple products and they're beginning to compete with each other, you know, in a oh, way like yeah. so the salesperson has to decide, oh, what do I pitch for the first time? Like they used to only have to pitch one thing, right? Got it. And so now we have this, I think of probably a very common challenge, like as companies scale and grow, of added complexity in having multiple products. And figuring out the best way to get the right product to the right customer that's going to best meet their needs. So we have to learn how to deal with that complexity, as well as things like upselling and cross-selling, which are new for us as well. And so it's almost taking our skills to the next level is what year three is about.
0: Yeah. That's a fun space though, right? This is where you really kind of get into that storytelling and really kind of having some fun there with some messaging and really trying to help equip the sales team. So that's a fun challenge. Mm-hmm. Moving beyond, right? That cross sell, upsell, this will be a good year three. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited. We may have to have you back on at the end and see how it all went and then hear more great. about uh, year <laughs> four. So let's, the name of this podcast, Thrills and Chills. I'm curious, What are some of those highs, some of those lows? What are those thrills and chills of of your product marketing career?
1: So, you know, the hardest part is letting somebody go. And during COVID, particularly like in April, May, right, of 2020, we're in a lending credit business to small businesses, right? We had to quickly make some decisions about what size we were going to be, how to right size the organization. And boy, that was tough, particularly with all the uncertainty going on in the world. And thank God we have an amazing leadership team and HR department who made that transition as easy as possible, like financially for the people impacted. But yeah, losing a team member is the low. And this happened very much related to kind of my, the other low I was going to mention, which is when you kind of acknowledge product market fit isn't there for your product.
0: Oh, that's an interesting one.
1: And those two things were related. We sunsetted a product and let the product marketing manager go at the same time um, that Mm. was dedicated to that product. And so the great thing is like when you sunset a product, you learn a ton of like what to do better. And the problem that we were trying to solve, which is that problem of the small businesses waiting to get paid. I think there's like a trillion dollars in money out there just stuck in between buyers and sellers. And that problem still exists. It's huge. We're going to take another whack at it. And we learned a ton from having to sunset and just kind of admit product market fit wasn't there. But that was definitely like the the lows and they were very related.
0: Yeah, those, it's tough. I mean, I've only had to sunset one thing and I would say it was a big thing. It was a beta that we were going to release, but it was so deflating for not only me, but like the PM, the eng, it was everyone. Like we were, you know, it's four months into the process and you have to just let it go. I can only imagine something with a little bit more GA released. You'd probably have people behind it, right? It hurts. And then you tackle, you throw in, I should say, you know, letting them go. And then you throw in COVID, right? I mean- yeah, I I can only empathize with how low that really was within your personal life at the same time as well as career, kind of getting blended there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That so, was tough. But,
0: but there, it is, there it is.
1: There it is. We learned a ton. We learned a yes, ton. Retros,
0: <laughs> postmortems, definitely do those things.
1: And so the highs, it's like this is, I'm sure, what most PMs tell you, but talking to customers. So I did about 50 interviews last
0: oh, yeah.
1: summer, but the crazy thing is, I did a survey to our customers. This is one it falls into the category of a problem you want to have. I did a survey to our customers in early August, and it was about a new idea we have for a new product, and had really, you know, almost double the normal response rate to the survey. So it definitely seems like the product was exciting. But the very last question I asked, well, would you be willing to talk to someone from our marketing team to tell us more about your survey answers? And if they said yes, I just sent them to my Calendly link. Well, 140 people oh my. later.
0: What? 140?
1: 140. <laughs> yes.
0: That never happens. Anyone Before listening, I, that does not happen.
1: does not happen. It does not happen. <laughs> does not happen. amazing. No incentive or anything. And so I've been recruiting people from across the company to join me, have been doing these interviews that are on my calendar, 30-minute interviews with our customers since oh August. I have two or three a day. It is absolutely the biggest thrill of my job, talking to customers. I'll talk to a guy who owns a trucking company, followed by a mom who started a business with her daughter, that's a lifestyle brand on Instagram <laughs> versus... Um, couple in Hawaii who own a construction company. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Best part
0: of my job. (laughs) I mean, 70 hours of customer interviews. I don't think I've ever come that close. The best I could possibly was like going to a conference when they were big and in-person, you could meet one to many like that. But kudos to you for setting up that many. I can't even imagine, (laughs) I can't imagine. I can imagine sending a survey right now, getting less than like a 20% response rate. Of that 20%, 10% might agree, right? To talk to me. So the fact that you were able to get those kind of numbers and then to meet with them and hear those stories, like that's it's only gonna impact how you message your positioning, how you're thinking, taking those customer insights back to the PM, right? Like that's man. I guarantee you're going to accelerate a lot in a year three because of that. So that's a fun, that's a good one. Definitely yeah. a highlight. So. <laughs>
1: absolutely.
0: Well, cool, Randy. Thanks again for, for coming on, talking to us about leading product marketing, not only a fun box, but even in your own career and coming to now what is so cool and such a fun role, product marketing. I welcome you from the PM side as I'm sure everyone else is. And hopefully we'll have you back on in a year or so and see how it all went down
1: thanks so much jd i appreciate
0: the time all right everyone thanks again for tuning in we'll be back next thursday for another episode of the thrills and chills and now a quick word from our partners at clue stay in the know about your competitive landscape with clue share real-time insights across your organization with clues dynamic battle cards delivered everywhere your sales reps live through integrations with salesforce slack High spot and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue. And we'll see you next Thursday. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe. And if you have any feedback on our episodes, things you liked, things you want to hear, anything else, please email us at podcasts at sharebird.com. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I look forward to seeing you next week.